But there's very few people I laid in the altars and cried with, but I did with this young man. Our friendship has lasted decades now. It's hard to believe we're that old, brother, but it doesn't feel like I'm that old, but our friendship has lasted decades. Young people hear me because we were in youth group together. We were in the altars together. Many times he's given me a, a word that I needed to hear from the Lord and vice versa. We've, we've been able to speak into each other's life. And why I'm saying all that as he comes, why I'm saying all that is the person sitting on your left and your right, you just think you go to church with them or you're related to them. But these young people need to realize the friends that are going to be with you through the thick and thin are the ones that will pray with you. The ones that will go to war with you. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. The ones that have been in church with you. I, I tell you, you, you could, we, we've, we've, we've talked about it. We had uh, Brother brother Garrett and Sister Maddie talk to our, our, our teenage class because they, they're not too far for removed from high school. And, and they just stood up and said, we don't hear hardly from anybody except the people we went to church with. To the people we did life with. Those are the ones that have stuck with us. Those are the ones that we have contact with. Those are the ones that are our best friends now. It's because we, we did church together. We were in the presence of God together. And I thank God for this young man. If you would, just welcome Brother Austin new to this platform. I believe the Lord has a word that he's placed on his heart for tonight. Amen. Amen. How many is thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Yeah, won't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? I'm thankful to be here tonight. What a wonderful privilege and opportunity it is to be here for another year. <coughs> Young people, Pastor Jade was not kidding when you're sitting up here in the splash zone because I forgot my towel. But uh, <clears throat> I'm so thankful and honored to be here tonight. It's, uh, I don't take it lightly ever wherever I'm at, but I certainly don't take it lightly when I'm asked to preach at a youth meeting or a youth conference because while they are the church of today, they are still also the church of the future. Uh, with no young people in the church, the church dies with the last elder. So if we don't have young people to pour into and to disciple and to, to, and to train, and if we are not doing that duty, pouring into them, discipling them and training them, showing how to live a godly life and showing how to get into the presence of God and how to seek God and how to, how to, just, how to just do life as a Christian, what are we doing? That's not part of my message here tonight, but uh, if you would, I'm not going to try not to hold you too long tonight, but I do believe that God has a lot that he wants to say. <clears throat> so I'm going to do my best to try and hurry. Uh, Acts chapter number 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. <coughs> Starting with verse number 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the, against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministry. Landon, if you wouldn't mind giving me just a little more monitor so I don't blow them out screaming here tonight. 
<laughs> Thank you. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And this is verse number eight here where we're going to stop is where I really want to focus here tonight. Verse number eight says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. With the Lord's help here tonight, I want to preach the word that he gave me uh, titled Wait Tables. Father, we thank you for your wonderful spirit and presence that is in the house already here tonight, Father. God, I felt you as soon as I came into the building here tonight. I know that you're wanting to do something great and mighty in this house and in these young people and in each and every heart and life that's here tonight, Father. I ask God that you would anoint me here tonight, Father. Speak through me, Lord, the word that you've given me. Don't let anything be said that you don't want to be said, but say everything, God that you want to say here tonight. Move on each and every heart and life that's here, Father, and let your spirit and glory rest on us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, tonight, uh, Pastor Jade told me after he asked me to come and preach the first night of youth conference that the, <coughs> that the theme of the weekend and the conference was revival now. And uh, the Lord immediately began to, to speak and to just download this word into my spirit and into my heart and uh, I know normally I come the Lord's been stretching me in the last several times that I've preached I normally come preaching a word of faith or a word on healing or a word on or a encouraging word and but tonight God is stretching me and giving me a a challenge for you young people here tonight a challenge and a charge and okay so the the theme of the conference is revival now, and before we get into how waiting tables how waiting tables will usher in revival in the world that we're in today and in the time that we're in, we must first, I believe, lay a foundation of what I believe true biblical revival is. Now, I'm going to try and hurry and just dab into this real quick. I got, like I said, I got a long way to go, and I really believe that God wants to really speak and minister here tonight. But so. <clears throat> We're in a day and an hour where the church, where we're in a day. It always takes me a minute to get my voice and everything under control. Give me just a minute. I, I promise I'm going to get there. You've heard me say that a hundred times. <laughs> but, uh, but we're in a day and an hour in the church where the term revival has unfortunately been so altered and changed that now what many consider and classify as revival is 
nothing more than a watered down version of what true revival really is. And we hear so many churches make the statement, uh, we're in a season of revival or we're in revival, we're having revival amongst the people. But in some of those circumstances, those statements are unfortunately only being used to generate hype and raise emotions to draw a crowd and get more people in the door to raise more offerings and have the numbers and look good on the live stream. But young people, I want to let you know that just because there is a service where people shout and dance and run the aisles and speak in tongues and pray and cry in the altars, just because all of those things are happening does not mean revival has broken out. That, that's a bold statement, Austin, I know, but it's true. Too many times we have a great service, we have a great move of God, and we want to just be quick on the gun and jump and say, we're having revival, we're in a season of revival. Well, unfortunately, what that has, hap- what that has done, it has confused young people. It has confused the younger generation saying to where they have the mindset of, where they have that mindset of, oh, that person shouted and that person ran and that person danced and that person spoke in tongues and there was a, a, a tongue and interpretation happening and they're saying we're in revival when really it was only just God moving in one particular service and just because a special speaker has came into town and you're having you're having consecutive services for a few nights a week and there's going to be food after each service and people are coming in from out of town doesn't mean the church has broke out in revival that is a revival That is a revival, but it is not true biblical revival. Now, I'm not trying to be mean or rebuke anyone or any movement here tonight. But like I said, we've been so quick on the gun and to call any time God moves in one service a revival. And we've skewed what revival has really, we have skewed what revival really is and lessened and confused young people on what they should strive for to see revival. The definition and classification of revival has been so watered down in the last several years that it has become nothing more than a social event for our denominational circles where we look at it as an event and not a move of the Holy Spirit and not God pouring out his presence and his glory on us where now it is something that we just attend to see folks that we only see the same time of year at the same meeting and have for the last several years. I love camp meetings. I love revivals. I love being able to fellowship with ministers and people that I don't get to see all of the time. I love it. I love it. I love it. It is needed. It is necessary to have those meetings. But at the same time, that is still just a revival. It is a revival. Now, revival can most definitely and 100% can and will break out in those services. But when we lessen revival to just a few good services, we will miss the revival that God is desiring and willing to pour out in these last days. Now, Pastor Jack Cunningham From the UPC movement, he's one of my favorite preachers and pastors that I like to listen to. He preached one of the best messages I have ever heard back in the 90s at their Because of the Times conference. And he tells a story of a conversation that he has with a young minister that he's friends with. And 
this young preacher comes to Brother Cunningham and and he tells him, he says, Pastor, we had the best service at church that we've ever had the other day. Brother Cunningham responded, and he asked the young preacher, he said, that's amazing. How many people got saved in that service? And the young man kind of looked at him and responded and said, well, Brother Cunningham, it just wasn't that type of a service. It just, it just, that, that's not the type of service we had, but, but everyone was dancing and shouting and running the aisles and the choir was singing better than they've ever sang before. And Brother Cunningham responded and said, well, how many were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Brother Cunningham, it, like I said, it, it just wasn't that type of a service. But we all gathered around and we lined up and we did a Jericho march around the entire sanctuary. And he said, well, brother, how many did you baptize? Brother Cunningham, I already told you. It, it just wasn't that type of a service. But, but everybody gathered in the altars and they, they, they cried and they prayed and we were able to pray one another through. Brother Cunningham stood before the entire UPC movement at the Because of the Times conference and he said, I'm going to tell you tonight, folks. He said, what we consider our best services and what God considers our best services are two, have become two different things. And I'm afraid that in the hour that we're living in, I'm not trying to be mean and be downgrade anybody tonight. I, I promise you, I mean, that, I mean that with all of my heart. And I preach from a humble, from humility here tonight and just with a, with a burdened heart. I believe that Brother Cunningham's statement also goes for revival. What we consider revival and classify as revival now and what God classifies as revival have become two separate things. Okay, so Austin, you've been mean to us for a few minutes already. What can we consider as true Biblical revival. If what we call revival is not revival, then what is revival? There are many instances of revival happening throughout the scripture in both the Old and the New Testament. And for the thousands of years after the final scripture of the Bible was written. Now each of them took place in a time of moral and spiritual decline in an area. But each one of them resulted in significant spiritual and moral change in that area. Things never went back to being the same again. Hallelujah. During the Welsh revival in the early 1900s it is recorded that stores and businesses all would close when it was getting time for church to start because it was pointless for them to remain open because everybody was at revival hallelujah they said that bars and saloons closed down permanently because everybody all of their regulars were getting saved and set free from that alcoholic spirit and there was nobody to patronize and come into the bar so they were closing down permanently hallelujah they said that they were laying off police officers because crime rates had dropped so low they were paying people to do nothing praise God 
They even had to retrain and buy new horses to work in the mines because the miners were getting saved and the horses were so used to getting hurled up are being hurled commands that were filled with cursing and profanity that when those miners would yell a command that did not have a curse word in it the horses were confused and did not know what to do hallelujah everywhere we see revival breaking out in scripture and throughout history we see it, it results in seeing people being saved filled with the Holy Ghost set free and delivered yokes of bondage being destroyed hallelujah the sick being healed in spirit mind and body on a consistent basis that is what I believe true biblical revival is hallelujah Hallelujah. Not shouting, not just that. Now, now, during revival, people will shout and dance and run and swing from the chandeliers or so you call it. I understand that. But, that, is, that, but, that, but when that takes place, that's not the only thing that takes place when revival breaks out. But people's lives being changed consistently and their eternal destinies being changed. Hallelujah. I got to move on from here. Like I said, I'm, try, I'm trying to hurry tonight. So true biblical revival, I believe. <clears throat> I believe is when people are saved, set free, delivered, healed, and seeing that significant spiritual and moral change taking place in an area and in a body and in a people's lives. But how do we usher in true, true biblical revival now? Right where we are. Not in the future. Not waiting years down the road. But right here and right now in the day that we're living in. I got just a few more scriptures I want to read. Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 through 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Excuse me. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. John chapter number four, verses 34 through 35. Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white already to harvest. Hallelujah. I personally believe here tonight that one of the key components to ushering in revival to ushering in revival is looking at the work that needs to be done that is not being done in the house of God rolling up our sleeves and getting the job done hallelujah hallelujah God is not looking he is not looking for showmen he is not looking for people who are just desiring a platform and just desiring to be seen and just desiring to 
to gain clout among the church world. But God is looking for laborers. He's looking for harvesters. He's looking for people who will just say, I see a need that has to be done. I see a task that nobody else wants to do. And if nobody else wants to do it, I'll be the one to do it. I'll be the one that says, I'll take that job on, pastor. I'll take that responsibility. I don't care if anybody sees me. I don't care if anybody even knows I'm doing it. But I want and need revival in my life. And I will do the work to see it happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Unfortunately, we see so many. And I'm not against. I don't mean this mean. But unfortunately, we look and we see so many preachers on YouTube and and influencers in the church world and people who have made it, per se. And we look and see where they're at. We look and see where they're at now, and we say in our minds and in our hearts, I don't want anything else but that. And if I can't get that now, or if I have to work to try and get there, I'll just wait, or I just, I don't want it. I'll just, I'll just pass on it. Do you think, do you think Stephen had that attitude? Do you think Philip had that attitude? And that's where I'm getting at tonight with wait tables. Stephen, nobody saw Stephen doing it. It was a task that nobody else wanted to do because there was already murmurings going on that it wasn't being done, they're not taking care of their people. They're not taking care of them. They've left them high and dry. Look at them. They've, they're just, they just let them go. But when they said, there's work that needs to be done, Stephen said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And he waited tables he waited tables for widows. He saw a task that needed to be done and said, I'll be the one to do it. And it, the Bible says that great signs and wonders and miracles followed Stephen's ministry. Waiting tables. Not preaching on a platform. Not leading a worship song. Not even being an assistant to one of the disciples. Not being asked to be a disciple. Waiting tables. Doing a job that was beneath other people. And he said, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And God honored his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <coughs> God is looking for young people to be workers, laborers, harvesters, not showmen. Hallelujah. 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 You know, reading in that scripture, something that hit me on my way here, reading that scripture, our text here tonight, it says that the disciples, they were having to focus. And when you study that, they were having to, they were having to focus on all of the administrative part of spreading the gospel it wasn't that the disciples and the leaders neglected it wasn't that they neglected and looked at waiting tables that looked at it as beneath them it was that they understood and knew I can't do everything I know 
your pastors, and I know there's other pastors in this house tonight that are representing different churches. So everyone that's not in a leadership role, all the young and young people, as much confidence as I have in these two men of God here and the other men of God in this house that although they know that they can't do everything, I know that they'll try. It's not a good thing, but I know beyond the shadow of a doubt they'll try to do everything if something is not being done. But can I tell you, young people, all of you in here are old enough. You can pick up a broom. You can pick up a mop. You can pick up a rake. You can pick up trash bags so that they don't have to do everything. Your pastors should not have to worry about doing everything. It's not that it's beneath them, but it's that the church body and the youth group and the young adults and the, old, and the, the senior saints come in behind them and say, I want you to have the most amount of time possible to focus on the administrative role of the church. And if there's something that needs to be done that you are trying to do, I'll do it so that you don't have to do it. Hallelujah. <clears throat> God is looking for workers. I just keep hearing that God is looking for workers, not somebody that wants to do only the big things because they can be seen, not somebody whose mindset is, I'll do this to, not somebody who has the mindset of saying, I'll do the small tasks, I'll do the little things to get by because the right person might see me doing it, and that way I can move on up to the more notable tasks quicker. No, God is looking for young people to say, who, God is looking for young people who will see a need no matter how small it may seem and say, Pastor, I see this needs to be done. Can I do it? Now, I understand and I totally believe that there's nothing wrong with dreaming and desiring and having aspirations in ministry that God puts on your heart. But Pastor Greg Atkins, I heard him say several times in different messages, through his school of ministry, one of the lessons that he would teach to his young people that were there was he would have them draw on a piece of paper, a puzzle, number it or however it was, and he would have them cut out that puzzle and that, the puzzle pieces on that piece of paper. And he would say, now put it together. Put it together. Took a few seconds. But he would say, then he would say, now jumble it all back up. He would say, now look straight ahead. Now put it back together. And they couldn't do it. It's okay to dream and have aspirations in ministry. It's okay, God wants you to do that. But when you're focused out there, you miss what God is wanting to do right here and right now with the task and the responsibility that he has trusted you with. Do you, do you know that if you've been given a task to do, it's because God and the pastor has trusted you to do it? 
They trust you to get it done. They have enough faith and confidence in you that saying, I've asked you to do this because I trust that you're going to get it done. They said, we want men to wait these tables that are full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom and integrity because we can't have people coming in and saying, well, I'll do it if I feel like it or I'll do it if I've got enough time or I'll do it if I, I'll do it if I can fit it into my schedule. No, if they have asked you and given you a task, they need you to do it with integrity, with faithfulness, and with wisdom and power, and for the glory of God. Do you know that Jack Coe, when he first got saved, Jack Coe is one of the most notable healing evangelists that we, that we read about during the healing revivals. He had the biggest tent that there was when he traveled during that time. But can I tell you, Jack Cole would stand on that platform and just some of the testimonies and even videos you can find on YouTube of him praying for the sick. I mean, coming up behind people with bent over backs and just full of faith and power and boldness like you've never seen before. Coming up behind somebody with a back bent over like this, grabbing their shoulders sticking his knee in their back and just straightening their back out and they walk it out with their back healed. Grabbing people's arms and yanking them up and putting their shoulders and arms being healed. I heard one story, a young, a, a, a toddler who could not walk. They said that they brought the, the little boy up to, to be prayed for by, by Jack Coe. They said Jack Coe grabbed that boy and said, run in Jesus' name and threw him off the platform. The boy hit the ground on his feet and ran down the aisle way. Don't throw my baby. Because you'll be the one running with me behind you if you throw her <laughs> or him. But, but can I tell you, Jack Cole didn't start in the tent. Before he ever prayed for the first sick person, before he ever preached his first message, he went to his pastor. He walked a few miles each way to get to an Assemblies of God church where he was from. He walked and he got there and he said, Pastor, I believe that I am called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The pastor looked at him and said, okay, we'll make you the janitor of the church. Excuse me? The janitor? I said I was called to preach, not mop. I'm called to preach from the platform, not sweep. But Jack Coe, it's recorded. He said, if this is all I ever do for God is be the janitor of this church, then I will be the best janitor I can be for this church for the glory of God. What? What? the best janitor I can be for the glory of God. Hallelujah. How many in the... How, how, I can't tell you that I had that mindset when I first got into ministry. I can't tell you that I had that. I'm just being transparent and honest tonight. But it took God dealing with my heart and my pastor, Pastor Tim Noble, teaching and just ingraining and pouring into me, Austin, everything you do is ministry. Did it again. 
lids on that time. But Pastor Tim Noble, when I came to him and said, Pastor Tim, I, I'm, I feel like I'm called to do something, but I don't know what it is just yet. I don't, I don't know what God has for me, but I just, I have all of this just something inside of me right now, but I just, I don't know what to do with all of it. I, I, I know that God is calling me to do something, but I just don't know what it is yet. And he, I remember standing outside of God's Pentecostal church after a revival. I talked with him and he said, Austin, always prepare for ministry. He said, maybe not always platform ministry. He said, God may not have called you to that, but everything that you do is ministry. That means that just as much as preaching from the platform, singing from the platform is, is ministry. Just as much as that is ministry, so is mopping the floors, sweeping the carpets, picking up after an event, setting up for an event, washing dishes, going to prayer meetings, being faithful to the house of God, taking the trash out, setting it out by the road, bringing the cans back in, sitting by your pastor, saying, Pastor, do you need a bottle of water? saying, Pastor, do you need me to do anything? That is just as much ministry as what I'm doing right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Wait tables. Wait tables. Work. Harvest. Labor. Hallelujah. Don't try and be a showman. It's not all. The, the problem is, is so many ministers and so many people try and make it all about us. It's not about us. It's never been about us. It's always been about him. And revival breaks out when the focus gets off of the platform and gets off of ourselves and gets off of all eyes got to be on me and everybody's got to see what I'm doing. Look, I'm doing ministry, taking a selfie. Look, I'm doing ministry. Look at me, look at me. No, can I tell you? Can I tell you just, just a moment about our bus ministry at ALT? <coughs> We are busting at the seams with our bus ministry. But can I also tell you, they're there before church, well before Sunday school starts at 10 a.m. They're going to pick the babies up in all of these inner city neighborhoods surrounding Abundant Life Tabernacle. They're picking them up, rain or shine, hot or cold. They're sitting there Sunday morning in the driveway. We're ready for your kid. Getting them in the van, picking them up, taking them to church, feeding them before feeding them breakfast before Sunday school, getting them to Sunday school class, getting them to children's church. Before before service is over with, getting them out, getting them in the vans, getting them home with all of their material that they got for the day. Nobody sees them. You don't see it from the platform. It's not on a live stream. You don't see it on YouTube or Facebook. But revival is breaking out amongst our power zone kids. Why? They're waiting tables. They're working. 
They're harvesting. They're saying, nobody has to know what we're doing. I don't care if it, our, our bus captain, Brother Hardy Joseph, he said, I don't, I don't want people to know that I'm the captain. I don't want people to know that I'm the leader because it's not about me. He said, it's about these kids getting and hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, because if they don't hear it, if I'm not here to run this ministry, if I'm not here, who's going to do it? If somebody isn't there to do what you've been tasked to do, young people, who's going to do it? I'm not saying that you're the only one capable of doing it, but I'm saying if you've been trusted with it or you feel God has called you to do it, then you better work and do it. Hallelujah. No matter how big, no matter how small it is, do it for the glory of God the Father and do it so that somebody can see God through you. Hallelujah. You want to know, and I don't say this boastful tonight, you want to know what my first tasks were? I just also want to warn young people, when you go to your pastors and say, do you have anything for me to do? You just handed them a loaded gun because they'll put you to work. Any pastor will put you to work. But I went to my pastor, Pastor Tim Noble at the time. Uh, And then when I went to ALT, I went to Pastor Setzer. I said, Pastor Setzer, I'm, I'm, I'm here now. Whatever you need me to do, I'm here to do it for you. He said, okay. I was like, oh, I did. oh man, what did I get myself into? But can I tell you, he put me to work. Pastor Setzer put me to work and drove it in me. He said, Austin, they need help in this ministry. They need help in this ministry. They need help over here. They need help over here. But what it did was I learned I learned those aspects of ministry. And I also learned that ministry, he taught me in the pastoral apprenticeship program that he put me through. And he taught me by putting me to work. He said, Austin, so many people and too many people look and they believe that ministry is 97% platform ministry and 3% off the platform. He said, but that's not the case at all. He said, it's flipped. He said, ministry is 97% off the platform, 3% on the platform. You got to think, most churches have three services a week. Two on Sunday, one through the midweek. Roughly four to six hours of church a week. There's 168 hours in a week. Four to even at six hours, that leaves you with 162 hours left to do something for the kingdom of God that's not on a platform. Praise God. But getting back, you want to know, but do you want to know my first task? I'm going to get back to that just for a moment. Now, like I said, I'm not trying to boast here tonight. But I was preaching, I was already preaching. Pastor Jade and I, we were preaching at Full Gospel Tabernacle and helping Pastor Tim. And a handful of us came to Pastor Tim. And we said, we, we met with him in his living room and we said, Pastor Tim, we just wanted to come to you and we wanted to say, you know, we're not here. We're not asking for a title. We're not asking for a position. We're not asking you to put us in charge of anything. But we see you trying to do everything. And if there's anything we can help you do, we want to do it. And we want to let you know 
We're here to do it. So my first task, my first responsibility that I was given, I, we, we had had that meeting with him. And then not long after that, I went to, went to him and I said, Pastor Tim, can I, would I be able to get a key to, from you to the church so that I could come in the mornings before work and pray and study before I go to work every morning? He said, I'll get you a key, Austin. So he comes to me a few days later, and I know I'm kind of story time right now, but it'll work, I promise. It's testimony. He came to me, and he handed me three keys. And I was like, three keys? He said, this key here is to the front door. Second key, glass double doors going from the foyer into the sanctuary. He said, that third key is to the shed out back. He said, if you don't mind, since I'm giving you keys and letting you come in and pray before work, he said, if you don't mind helping me and Ben take care of the grass. I'm a, I'm a, Pastor Tim, I'm sitting on the platform. I'm sitting on the platform. I'm preaching. No way. My pastor asked me to do something. I'm going to do it. I said, yes, sir, pastor, I will help you. And between me and my brother-in-law, Ben, we took care of the grass. I would come by after work and check. I'd jump in. I'd jump on that mower. I would either start or pick up where they left off. And the three of us and Brother David Dixon, our assistant pastor, helped take care of the, the, the flower beds and the mulch and everything. So between the four of us, we kept the grounds of the church looking the best that it could possibly be so that when people pulled in, they said, this place runs with a spirit of excellency because the first glance they can see that they take this seriously my second task my second responsibility one would think would be a promotion our assistant pastor brother david dixon came to me he said austin he said pastor tim and i we live 20 25 minutes away from here you know, you, you live right here and you're right down the road when you're, when you're coming home from work. He said, you drive right by here. He said, on Tuesdays, would you mind just swinging in here, getting the trash cans, setting them out by the road for us so that we don't have to drive 25 minutes one way just to set the trash cans out and so that they're not setting out Sunday night, Monday all day, all day Tuesday, and then on Wednesday all day before we get here. I said, yes, sir, Brother David, I'll take care of it. I said, I'll even come by on Wednesdays on my way home from work, and I'll take them back and set them where they go. I'm not, I'm not trying to boast here tonight, but I did it. it I did it. Because my pastors entrusted me with those tasks. It was just cutting grass and it was just taking care of the trash. But I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt, I would sit on that mower and I would run that thing as fast as I could saying, thank you, Lord, that I'm doing something. Thank you, Lord, that I'm working. I'd walk across that parking lot dragging those trash cans, Pastor Jade, saying, thank you, Lord, that I can do this this for your glory and the enemy would come after me and say it's just trash cans Austin nobody cares about that but guess what it was still for the kingdom because I was helping my pastors do a task that was a little more than what they could do not a little more than what they could do but it helped them focus on what God had tasked them to do Hallelujah. Can I tell you that in the, in the tree world, when you study 
and read about oak trees. There are certain oak trees that drop acorns. They drop them and they give a harvest. But there are also oak trees that don't drop any acorns at all. They don't drop a harvest. You don't see what they're doing. But those oak trees are still standing tall and they were only there for the self, they are only there for the cross pollination of the oak trees that are producing the harvest and the acorns. They don't ever drop it. You don't ever see them drop acorns, but they are still there to support the ones that do drop the acorns. You may feel like I'm not even doing anything. I'm not even reaping a harvest. But I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt when you're standing behind your pastors and helping them out and supporting them and being faithful to what they've trusted you to do, you are a part of the harvest. <coughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I'm cutting grass. I'm doing the trash. Because my pastors asked me to. They trusted me to do it. But can I tell you, I wasn't the only one that they trusted with different tasks. But there was myself, Pastor Jade, several other of the young people. That, that, that had went to Pastor Tim and said, we want to do something. And he gave each one of us tasks. And young people, I can tell you, when we all were doing the work, when we were all waiting tables, we didn't care if we preached. We didn't care if we sang. We didn't care if anybody saw what we were doing. But we said we want to do something, and we did something when it was given to us. If we saw something that needed done, we did it. <coughs> And can I tell you, Pastor Jade can testify, when we were all working in unison and in unity, waiting tables and doing the tasks that nobody else wanted to do and that was not being done, can I tell you, revival broke out in our youth group. Revival broke out in our young adults, in our church, and in that area, people coming in. We would have youth revivals. We would have youth revivals where we would all take a night. We didn't bring in a special speaker. We didn't bring in a minister. We didn't bring in anybody from outside. But all of us took a night and we preached and we saw God move. We saw people being saved. We saw people being filled with the Holy Ghost. We saw people being healed. We saw people being delivered because we all said, we will wait the tables. We will do the work. We'll do it together and we will see revival now. Not tomorrow, not next year, not next month, but we will see it now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Stand with me here tonight. I'm done. If they would come to the music, please. Hallelujah. 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 Can we, can we just worship him for a moment here before we come into the altars? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we worship you tonight. Oh, Father, we will 
wait the tables, God, that are before us. Hallelujah. We will do the work that we see needing to be done. Hallelujah. 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 So how about it tonight, young people? How about it tonight? Like I said, each one of us in here were of the ability and of the age where we can do something. We can do something, anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Waiting tables. I understand it's not, it's not always glamorous. It's not always fun. It's not always what we may want to do. But it is necessary. It is needed. It is a key point to seeing revival breaking out. Can I tell you one instance that I want to get in, one instance that I want to just finish up with here tonight. We read about Jonah going to Nineveh. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He tried to not go to Nineveh. He tried to avoid it and get away from it. Nobody else wanted to do it either. Nobody else wanted to go either. Nineveh was a wicked, evil city. But can I tell you, when he did go, when he did say, God, I'll do that thing that I don't want to do. 120,000, over 120,000 people repented and revival broke out. Yes, just because he said yes. Because he said, I'll wait the tables. I'll do the work. I may have been shrugging it. I may have been pushing it aside. But God, I'll do it. What is God waiting on you to do here tonight? What is God waiting on you to say yes to? What is, what is God waiting on you tonight to say do the task. Maybe it's just as simple as going to your pastor and saying anything at all. Anything at all. I was, Pastor Jade and I were 19, 20, 21 years old. We didn't care what we did. It could have been scrubbing the bathrooms. It could have been anything at all. We didn't care what we did. We just wanted to do something. And I pray God lights a fire in each one of us in here tonight. And just a, a fresh refilling and baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire saying, I don't care what, God, I don't care what it is you're tasking me to do. I just want to do something. Hallelujah. Will that be your prayer here tonight? Will that be your prayer here tonight? Maybe some of you in here already know what God is asking you to do. And he's just asking you to come and say yes here tonight. Hallelujah. These altars are open. If you would, please come. Say yes to God here tonight. Hallelujah. Say, I'll wait the tables, God. Say, I'll do what you're asking me to do. Hallelujah. If you're in here tonight. If you're in here tonight and you're not saved if you're in here tonight and you're not saved and you need to get right with God won't you come I wouldn't embarrass you I'm not trying to embarrass you 
good. Hallelujah. This is the greatest life and the greatest decision you could ever make. If you're here tonight and you want to get saved, come and find one of us. If you're here tonight, this is just the general altar call part. If you're here tonight and you're wanting to be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, come here tonight. We'll pray and I believe that we'll see you filled. If you're here tonight and you're needing a healing, won't you come? We'll pray for you. And I believe that you'll leave here tonight healed. Hallelujah. These altars hey everyone. Are... Thanks for watching. I hope this message blessed you. And if you could, please check the description below for all of our links to our social medias. Um, and as always, check our page. You'll see all of our previous messages there. Uh, I hope this message again blessed you and uh, reached you where you're at. And thanks for watching. See you soon.